This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Poor Things is a fantasy dark comedy starring Emma Stone, Willem Dafoe, and Mark Ruffalo. It won two Golden Globes recently, Best Picture and Best Female Actor for a Motion Picture Musical or Comedy. Let's take a peek into a clip from the trailer of Poor Things. A man enters a whimsical mansion. This is Bella. She's followed by a goose-headed dog. Bella. This is Mr. McCandles. Hello, Bella. She stares at McCandles and shoves his face. She's an experiment. Good evening. Her brain and her body are not quite synchronized. She feeds a goose goat and dog chicken. But she's progressing at an accelerated pace. She twirls. From Yorgos Lanthimos, director of The Favorite and The Lobster. Tell me, where did she come from? I shall. A machine has started. Or it is a happy tale. A woman falls off a railing. All right, let's find out what entertainment critic Michael McNeely thought about poor things. Michael's in studio alongside his intervener, Jillian. Hey, good morning, Michael. Good morning. Michael, you believe every year there's a movie that gets a big awards buzz that's just kind of meh? And this one's the one. Let's unpack that. You watched this back in December before it started picking up statues and Golden Globes. What initially drew you to Poor Things? I think it's partly because of what you just said. I like to direct. um, I enjoyed his other films, like um, The Favourite, which gave Olivia Colman and Emma Stone some awards recognition. I also enjoyed Killing of a Sacred Deer for Barry Kilgan, which we've talked about um, before, and The Lobster. But some of his other films have been hidden, miss, like uh, Dark Tooth. I didn't, I didn't like So you decide to watch the movie, even though there's been some hit or miss here. How did this film either represent or deviate from some of the creativity of the director? It actually does represent the creativity. So what I've noticed about the director is that he often picks, he picks like a, a premise, a theme, and he sticks with it. So for example, the lobster, you will be turned into an animal if you don't find your romantic partner. So that was interesting. I was like, wow, that's left field, but let's go with it. Um, killing of a sacred deer is a killer that is basically hunting a family for something that they haven't recognized that they didn't want. So that was interesting. And in this film, Emma Stone plays this creature named Bella Baxter, who um, is on a journey to learn about herself by having sex with as many people as she can. And as a result, there's been a little bit of criticism. There is a lot of graphic sex in this movie. How did that take away, or did it serve a purpose from the overall film? So we can talk about a few different things. And first of all, I don't want to seem like a prude. And 
You did give me chocolate this morning, so I am a little bit dark. Well, I didn't give you chocolate this morning. I didn't know there was chocolate around. Yes, apparently your uh, staff wanted oh, to feed great. me. They're hiding that from me. Fantastic. Yes. So, um, I think the first thing you have to do is when you have a sex scene, you need to have a purpose to it. It can't just be gratuitous just for the sake of being gratuitous, because I think there's a lot of other options for that. Um, so, when you have a set scene, I want to know what your purpose is. And if I feel like you're still doing the same purpose after and after and after and after and after and after, after, for two hours, I'm like, okay, I got the general idea. I got de it the like first de time. you're desensitized to it. Well, it's not just desensitized, it's more like repetition at nothing. So what I thought this movie was, was that it was just one big dirty joke. It's um, that goes on for two hours. I'm saying two hours instead of two hours and a half, because we still have the problematic beginning that we saw a little bit of in the trailer, while she's basically a giant baby in a Victorian outfit. Um, but the challenge with that, now that I'm starting to actually come to terms with it, is it might actually be a representation of people with disabilities, or it might be a representation of those who have mental health challenges or mental illness, or even intellectual or developmental disabilities, because she is a monster. She's been created. She's not a monster. She's been created out of a test tube, and she's still learning. But at the same time, she is, she is an adult. She's a developed woman. So what you see is you see a lot of men wanting to make passes at her despite her limited vocabulary. And then, eventually, her intellect catches up to the point where she can outsmart those men, but she's still having sex with them like they had sex with her before. So the whole thing is just a little bit, it's a little bit uh, uncomfortable because, you know, it's, we talk a lot about um, consent and making sure everyone's on the same footing, especially when we covered May, December. So I'm not really in a mood to be laughing and joking about those kinds of things. And so the joke here seems to be, I'm going to have sex with you, I'm going to be better than you, and I'm going to move on from you. And you, as the man, are going to want me, but you can't have me. Even though you tried to have me when I was at an earlier stage in my development. Yeah, I can see how that's uncomfortable. It's, yeah, I can see that's a pretty uncomfortable concept. Um, yeah. That said, you're talking about an original premise, a director who delivers these premises in a creative way. You're talking about gratuitous sex scenes, which certainly has its appeal to some people. But you found the movie boring. Why? Well, just partly because it just repeats itself in the same way that she's going to have sex with a man, and the man's going to want her, the man can't have her, the man's going to do some stupid things, and then we move on. Sometimes it's the same man. I'll grant you that. It's Mark Ruffalo, who is not a hook that we know. He is just some depraved lawyer that believes that he can own Bella Baxter. And people were laughing at that, but I just don't find it funny. I just... I think there's, there's, a, there's a time and a place where there's... I think people can say, this movie is based on a joke. You didn't get it, so that's your problem. Okay. I will, yeah. I will accept that criticism, but I will say that if your movie is based on a joke, then you understand that some people will not get it, because yeah. some people do not get jokes. That's true. There are a lot of people in this world who have no humor. And art is subjective, hence this is getting 
awards buzz. It's winning awards. Forget buzz. It's winning awards. And Michael, I'll tell you, this is how I'm feel. This is how I felt last year about the Banshees of Inishnurin, the the Irish movie that was, um, in my opinion, utterly boring and totally useless and a waste of my time. And then it started winning Golden Globes and getting Oscar nominations, and I was stunned. So why do you think in this case, Poor Things is getting buzz, winning awards, but you're totally out on it? What would you like me to cut my finger off? Because I can do that, because that's what happened in Banshees of Inner <laughs> But it happened five times, so I get, you know, I get what you're saying. All right, first of all, let's think about the history of set scenes in film. Typically, it's been a woman taking her clothes off. Halle Berry, and yep. being subjected to scrutiny by, I'm going to guess, 50, 50 cameramen in a room. Probably the director and a bunch of perverted producers, like Harvey Weinstein. Um, so, it's good for women to start to reclaim that space, even though it's been a male-dominated space. Um, I think that is partly why we're getting recognition here, is because, because Emma Stone she talked about how comfortable she was on set. She talked about the willingness that she was to engage in these set scenes. Um, and like you said, you know, like we said, she is doing one over on the men in the, in the movie. So that's good. It's a good proto-feminist message, I guess. Um, I think that's partly why you would get some recognition in some parts, because I do agree with the idea that Emma Stone is brave. And you know what? I'm not taking I'm not taking away from anyone's performance here. It's just the storyline could have used a bit more work. So, um, for example, I know that Guillermo del Toro is doing a Frankenstein movie. I'm very interested in that because I saw an exhibit that he did on Frankenstein here in Toronto, um, and this this movie is kind of like a Frankenstein story. It's about a monster, in quotation marks, um, that's been created, a life form that's been created, and trying to experience the world on their own terms. Mm. But I think if you follow Frankenstein, um, the story there is actually rich and very compelling, because Frankenstein's creature—this is the big debate—is it Frankenstein or Frankenstein's creature? It's Frankenstein's creature, because Frankenstein was the scientist. But Frankenstein's creature um, learns a lot. And one of my favorite stories about Frankenstein's creature was that um, he befriended a little girl, and they were best friends for maybe three or four hours. They did everything together. They played together. But unfortunately, um, she drowned, because he pushed her too hard. He didn't know his own strength. And we've seen that in lots of superhero stories as well. Um, but Frankenstein's creature basically drowns the little girl, and she dies. But that's a story that has—you know, it has high stakes, it has emotional impact, it has character development, all in one. And thankfully, there's no sets involved. So, I think this, this movie is just, um, just doing the same thing too many times. Yeah, repetition. That's fair. <laughs> Probably why I didn't like Banshees of Inishnirin. Went on too long. I was bored. Michael, thank you for this. Thank you for having me. And if I thought there was a lost opportunity here, we could have lots of things here that I could have pushed off, just like they do in the trailer. It's just like a cat at the beginning. 
That part was interesting. I wanted to okay. see how many things you would break. Well, thank you for not breaking anything in my studio. I appreciate it. That's Michael McNeely, entertainment critic with a review of Poor Things. Coming up after the break, the city of Las Vegas is changing policies around their pedestrian bridges. So you'll find out uh, our reaction to that idea. One of my favorite cities changing things up. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.